Hey, listeners, before we jump into episode 118 here with Mike Malatesta, just a quick note, the recording files for our interview with this podcast with Brett and Mike was unfortunately lost. And we have the backup recording, but it's lower quality than what we're used to on the Gravity Podcast. And unfortunately, that means this episode also does not have a video component. But we love the conversation so much. Brett and the team were very excited for this conversation. We wanted to make sure that it went out. So just wanted to jump in and leave this quick disclaimer before we dive into episode 118. So apologies again for the audio quality, but I hope you enjoy this episode with Brett Kaufman and Mike Malatesta. Um, but I would say that that program was the catalyst for me to start figuring out how to make my life and my future, my property, something that I owned as opposed to something that was just going to happen to me. Today's guest is Mike Malatesta. Mike loves supporting and helping entrepreneurs bring their dreams to fruition break through barriers, and achieve massive success. He has lived in their shoes since he was 26 and understands the roller coaster that they are on. He knows the excitement, pain, grit, and mistakes that come with every entrepreneurial journey. He has helped start, grow, and sell two amazingly successful waste management companies. Mike considers himself a servant leader with a proven talent for developing exciting vision and mission initiatives. He then builds the teamwork, talent, and systems necessary to execute the desired result. Okay, we are here with Mike Malatesta. Mike, thanks for joining me on the uh, Gravity Podcast. Great to be here, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about kind of early days, the family dynamic and childhood that um, was yours. Yeah, I had a great uh, I had a great childhood. We I lived in a very small world though. We um, before I was ten, we moved four times, but only a couple hundred yards it seemed like each time. And the last time, Brett was actually uh, eight houses down from where I lived, and we moved everything with my dad's pickup truck, and we sort of carried the rest of it. Me and my two sisters and my mom, we carried the rest of it up this street. So, so it was a small world, but a very, very but a very uh, nurturing. World. This was outside of Philadelphia, um, in Habertown, Pennsylvania, actually. And um, I'd say that the, you know, for me, um, I guess uh, normal would be the word I would use. We went to Catholic school, and you know, went to church, and grew up, you know, in a neighborhood where everybody lived sort of close by, really, as I described with our moves. And um, had a lot of friends and, you know, did sports and um, also, uh, you know, I, I acquired a love of trucks at a very young age, like when I was around four years old, actually, because at that time we lived across the street from a construction company and I, I loved to sit on the curb uh, in the summer times and watch the guys bring their trucks back and everything about that just really intrigued me, the smell and the sound and the the guys, I thought everything about it was just super cool. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's, that, that got in me early and I, I, I put that to, to use later in my life, but, uh, yeah, that's the beginnings. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting that you, you know, can really, really recall that, you know, love of trucks. And so, you know, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, tell me more about kind of what else you were 
interested in, excited about, you know, kind of what what life was like as you start to kind of move into your your schooling? Well, uh, as I mentioned, I went to the local Catholic school, which is pretty much what everybody did that I knew, at least, and um, went there uh, through eighth grade. Um, I developed into a decent uh, football player, so a middle school-ish type football player, and, and that got me uh, an opportunity to go to uh, a, a very exclusive uh, private high school that I would never have otherwise been able to to go to, and that was um, that was a big deal because it wasn't. First of all, it wasn't where I wanted to go. My parents made that decision for me. Um, it wasn't where my friends were going. I was the only kid from my class going there, and I thought that. Um, it, it, it was just something I, I didn't want to do. And when I got there, I was um, behind because the the uh, the kids that most of the kids there had gone there earlier in their schooling as as well, Brett. So they were they, 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 from a, from a from an academic standpoint, they were well ahead of me. Um, although I never felt like I was behind at the school I was going to. But when I got here, I was I was behind. I got put back in eighth grade for for math and I think one other class as well. And so, you know, your start of your high school journey is kind of like, uh, I'm in a strange place and all of a sudden I'm dumb, you know? So, uh, and that was me projecting that. Of course, no one else was projecting that. But um, but that, that experience turned out to be one of the best experiences for me in my life because um, it, it, as I mentioned, it put me around people and in an, an environment that was very foreign to me, people with way more money and resources and, you know, quote unquote success in their life than, than we had at, at, at our little place. And um, that was intimidating. The academics were intimidating, but on the field, there was no difference. Right? So on the field, there was no difference. And so I began to understand over time that there wasn't a, a difference between us as kids we just came from different places. And by the time I graduated from that school, I, I was fortunate to be um, co-captain of the, of the football team. And, and But more than that, I came out of that school with the confidence that I can compete with anybody on um, anything, not just on the field, but in life. So um, what started as a very sort of challenging and scary situation ended with me um, you know, feeling much better about where I could end up in the world. Yeah, I mean, I know that you're probably using those lessons today. You've, you know, mentioned how, you know, they were incredibly impactful in your life, which, you know, oftentimes these kind of childhood experiences really can be life-changing. That's kind of why I like to hear this, the backstory. And um, certainly there's a lot to learn about uh, new environments, taking on stories about, you know, intelligence um, and then, you know, maybe kind of proving to yourself and uh, potentially others that in fact, you know, you're capable and, you know, have success. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's all something that, you know, you can really have a tremendous amount of value for. Um, and I think sometimes it's kind of funny because I don't think people fully appreciate the value in these experiences from childhood. 
you know, that, that maybe they, they seem like, oh, it's sports, it's football, you know, it's, you know, you won something, but, but really that's not what it's about. It's about the learning. Yeah. Well, everything in life is about the learning, right? You don't, it takes a while to finally get that, I think, for a lot of us, but everything in life is about the learning. And, and, you know, what's interesting is even for me, at least like the things I just described to you, it wasn't like, I was conscious of that, hourly conscious of that when I when it happened. It, it came, you know, that consciousness, that awareness came later as I reflected on, um, you know, on those experiences. And it seems like most of my lessons in life have come at, not at the time that the lesson presented itself, but some some point later when I finally got it. You know, yeah, when you can actually use it. Um, so, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about then kind of how you start to use these lessons that you're learning about who you are and what you're capable of, you know, what, what happens next? How do you start to put that to work, even if it's unconscious? Um, well, I mean, you know, I went to, so I took that confidence. I went to college and I just threw it all away. Um, I got to college and all of a sudden I went back to this kid that I was like when I, first went into high school. I was anxious. I was, I was, uh, a shy, very shy, like weirdly shy. And, um, and it was just, it, you know, it was just too big of a place for me. So, um, so I dropped out after, after one semester, I dropped out and I, I went to, um, I went to work at the parish cemetery because I had worked there in summers in high school. And I thought, well, that's, that's a better place for me. You know, that's, I, I can, um, uh, you know, that whole small world I was talking about before I went back to that small world and I, I worked at the, at the parish uh, cemetery for, um, you know, up until the fall of that year. And, and I really didn't know whether I had planned to go back or not, but ultimately my parents, like they did in high school, made the decision that I was going to go back to, to college. Um, but I, and then I, and I did go back and I, I, you know, ultimately I, I did, I did sort of begin to step up and I did graduate and, you know, I kind of started to get, uh, I did get my confidence back for sure. And um, I don't know why I had that dip there though. I, I, I do wonder about mm-hmm. that, like what was happening where I just didn't think that I could you know, go big, that it was better for me to go small. That's how, that's how I refer to it. But, yeah. um, I'm actually curious about that too. And I don't know, maybe if we could just explore it a little bit. Um, yeah. Because I, I don't think it's uh, uncommon. And, you know, I've seen this in uh, myself, actually, um, and in, uh, and, you know, others. Um, and, you know, I've seen my own kids kind of go through different phases. And, um, I, you know, I wonder kind of, what is that, you know, maybe possibly that has us, you know, in your case, you know, you're, you're kind of co-captain of the football team, having a lot of success, found your confidence, thriving, you know, at that age. And then you go off yeah. to college and you find yourself, you know, um, I, I'm going to say insecure, but maybe, you know, you said shy and, and you know, really mm-hmm. um, lacking confidence and you know, not feeling like, you know, you can do it to the point that you're like, I got to get out of here and go back to something 
small or comfortable or right, you know, where you're necessarily maybe, you know, forced to be in some challenging situation. Um, What is it, do you think? Yeah, I think it was a couple things. Um, One, um, you know, I I also, I, I don't know if it was me thinking that I couldn't do it as opposed to I didn't want to. I think those two things are different. I was supposed to play football. I was supposed to show up for camp, and I decided over the summer that I wasn't going to do that. The coach was not happy about that, and I don't think I was either. But it was just a decision I sort of made on the spur of the spur of the moment. And so I think that had something to do with it. I had a girlfriend at the time, and I think that had something to do with it. And I also, um, you know, I. I I was ready to go to work. That's what I thought I was. I thought I was ready to go to work. And so those things and then the shyness, like it was difficult for me to make friends with people that, uh, these new people. It was just hard for me. And I don't know why. And it wasn't because they weren't being friendly. It was just me thinking too much, Mm -hmm. too much about it. So I'd say all of those things and then this gravitational force of sort of going back to where I've always been um, maybe combined to, to, to do it. I've never gone to therapy on it. I don't think I need to, but um, I just, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe there isn't, you know, an answer for you or maybe there isn't one, um, you know, that applies to, you know, some general um, population, but, but maybe, I mean, Maybe there's something in there that's just a part of a conditioning um, that it's um, either societal or something that maybe kind of gets into the body from a young age that has you kind of default to mm-hmm. you know, a way of being in um, scary situations or in you know environments that are really new and um, you know big. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't want to project. For me, I think, you know, that's kind of what it is or was where there was something kind of in the newness that felt overwhelming and, um, you know, had me kind of defaulting into an insecurity or a fear-based, you know, mentality. Um, and I, I think, you know, maybe true for some people i don't know if it that hits home for you when did that happen to you well you know i think it it was kind of a thing that would happen um quite a bit along the way um when i went to college for sure i was definitely intimidated by you know the kind of big personalities and the big campus and um you know all the kids from New York or LA or whatever it was that, you know, um, had me feeling a little intimidated and um, going internal and, you know, not willing to kind of express myself fully. Um, I mean, but I could even go back into high school where I was very confident in some ways, but, you know, deep down, probably not, you know, so Mm. I would, you know, kind of uh, act in a way that, you know, um, I thought was cool or good or confident, but in reality, you know, um, I was not. So, you know, it goes back for me, you know, probably all the way to, um, you know, early childhood experiences, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, that's, that's just, you know, how it went for me. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. I was just curious. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think it is an interesting thing because, you know, in your case, um, you, you described that your parents sort of made the decision for you. And, and you know, that's a, that's a whole other subject by itself. You know, you know when, you're, when you're a parent, do you make decisions for your kids because you think you know what's best? You might actually know what's best, but you might not too. And, um, and, and as you know, you've described, there's been a lot of growing in the struggle. Um, and, uh, I suppose you can get that growth either way, you know, but, um, in your case, your parents kind of forced you to get back in there and, and struggle through it. And it sounds like, you know, you ended up getting through it and finding yourself or at least your confidence and, and, you know, making it through, um, how do you feel about kind of your parents really, um, you know, pushing you in that way? I feel good about it now. I mean, I, I I like to say that I blame it on them that I went back to college, but the but but I really owe them a debt of gratitude about it. I mean, just like they helped choose the high school I went to. I mean, they saw what it, what they saw where I didn't these incredible opportunities that were being presented to me that I was sort of discounting as not you know, very valuable. And they saw that they were. They, and it was interesting because I never felt forced in the way that people often talk about their parents forcing them to do things. I never felt forced, like against my will to do something. I always felt forced in an encouraging way. Um, and, you know, neither one of them um, went to college. Um, and it would have been easy for them to say, well, you know, we didn't, you don't need to, you know, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like I was forced in a, in a negative way. I feel like I was forced in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big difference. And I'm glad you pointed that out. You know, there's a sense of encouragement there in the pushing that, um, is probably really important, uh, for a lot of reasons. So tell me, you know, what happens, you know, you, you described that you, you got through and you found your confidence. Mm -hmm. and what do you start to do as you get into your career and adult life? Yeah. So I'll bring the trucks back into it. As I, when I was a junior in high school or college between my junior and senior year, I got a job driving a garbage truck for a company in downtown Philadelphia. And um, I, I got the job because I just wanted to drive a big truck. And so I went around to a bunch of places during my spring break and, and applied for jobs. And um, most of them told me I was too young and, you know, their insurance couldn't insure me and that kind of thing, which I guess makes, makes sense now because I was only, you know, 20 or something. Um, but, um, but, but at the, the, the Ace Service Company, which was its actual name, Ace Service Company, um, they hired me. And I started driving for them. And over the course of the summer, I, I two things were made clear to me. One, <clears throat> I was a very inexperienced driver, and I think the other companies were very smart not to hire me. But two, uh, I started to really like, I, 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 I liked the business. I liked everything about it. Uh, you know, I liked the people. I was working with adults, you know, all adults. I was like the kid, the kid. And um, I like the business. I like the, you know, what we were doing. There was purpose to it, meaning to it. Seemed like there was profit to it. And I thought to myself, well, this is maybe something I 
would want to do. And so I talked to the owner and um, he gave me some advice to, to apply for sales sales job or a management training job at some of the big companies. He's, you know, this was a family family owned business and there was really no room for any more college graduates in the, in the, um, in the company. And, uh, and so I did that and I got hired by, um, before I graduated the next year, I got hired by um, one of the biggest uh, trash companies in, in the, in the world at that time as a management trainee. And I, I, I loved it. I loved what I was doing. Uh, I started in Detroit and then I moved, you know, four or five times in five years and ended up um, in Milwaukee. I was moving up. I was, I was basically had this attitude. I would just say yes to everything. And I was not a hundred percent confident um, of course at that time, but I was confident enough to know that saying yes was a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious about uh, that for sure, but also kind of backing up. Um, you know, your love of what you're doing and what was it that you loved about it? You know, you're, you're not necessarily, uh, you know, unloading trash cans. Um, and maybe you were, you know, when you were getting started. But, um, you know, I'm kind of struck by um, working both in the cemetery and then, um, you know, in the waste uh, industry. Um, and yeah. you know, you're talking about, you know, love. Um, and, I get, you know, you're advancing and and moving, you know, forward with a career, you know, um, nothing wrong with any aspect of being in, you know, waste management, but um, it might not be for everybody. And, yeah. you know, you're, you're describing a love for it. Uh, it sounded to me like you really love the cemetery work. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, your kind of mindset of saying yes to everything can you just elaborate a little bit on kind of how you found love in that work or what was it that you loved about that work and, you know, why say yes to everything? Yeah. So, um, first of all, the love, the love for the, um, the, the, the driving job, um, it was, it was a very grown up job for a kid. You know, you'd come to the yard, you, you'd get a ticket, you know, to go with a large dumpster and, and, swap it out, let's say, at a construction company. And you'd go and, you know, they, 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 it was just operating in, a, in, a, in an adult world with a lot of autonomy. You know, there wasn't some, I wasn't working somewhere where someone was telling me what to do every single second of the day. I was just like, here, go do this. Come back with it. Dump it. I'll give you another one. You go do that. And, you know, just the whole part of it, even, even driving and navigating and negotiating and you know, positioning, all that stuff, just for whatever reason, Brett, it made me, you know, gave me dopamine, I guess. Um, and then when I got, when I got hired in a corporate job, I was, um, it, what was great about it is the company that hired me as a management trainee had, this was like a brand new program for me and they didn't know what to do with me. So they sent me to these various places and the, the managers decided what I was going to do. And I just felt like, you know, the, the, if I really want to learn a business, this is the best way to do it because I don't have a sole job. I'm being given different jobs all the time. And so for me, and I think for a lot of people, at least up to a certain age, you know, saying yes to, when, when people offer you an opportunity, I just say yes because I know that, um, well, I know what saying no will get me, it'll get me nothing. 
saying yes will at least give me an opportunity to try something new and prove myself and and um, and put me in another direction, um, maybe, you know, where a part of the business that I wasn't thinking about or meeting people I never would have met otherwise, that kind of thing. So maybe I was making up for, um, for um, you know, the saying no that I did in, uh, in college at the beginning. I don't well, know. You know, it, it requires some um, confidence and some, uh, you know, real... Um, freedom and and peace and making the decision to say yes i mean for me at least you know um i can have a lot of resistance and indecisiveness and um you know uh challenge and saying yes to things that are challenging um you know there's a there's a real one of my favorite books is uh michael singer's surrender experiment where he essentially surrenders and says yes to everything and it's the story of his you know life and saying yes uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot to say for that it's just uh not that easy too to kind of really let go to that now it gets easier as you go when you see it working um so tell me about kind of how that did work for you as you start to keep you know saying yes and yes and you're moving up you know what happens well, it worked well i mean like i said i was moving up i Moving around, I, I, I became the youngest divisional vice president in the company at the time. And I thought, well, maybe one day, I'm, you know, maybe I could run this this company. And about five years in, on St. Patrick's Day, 1992, my boss gave me a call and said he wanted to come and see me. He was he was, he was was uh, like a couple hours away is where his office was. And so he came up and saw me that afternoon and he fired me. And... I I didn't really know what to do with that because um but, well I I didn't see it coming and then I started to question all of these things about myself but more than anything I thought my gosh that's that makes me like a loser I had never been fired from a job before of course you know of course I was young but I had never been and um and and you know I, I I took that and I said, well, what do, what do, you know, what, what do I do about this? And my immediate reaction was to get another job because that's what you do or that's what I thought I should do. And so I, I was very stunned by that, but I went out and I, and I got another job about a month later and I thought it was going to be great. And I really liked the person, you know, the person who owned the business. I had a great interview with that person, and and really thought I could help that person. And and I really needed to get back in the ring, kind of thing, you know, for my own uh, well-being. And um, I started working there, and 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 I got put, I got put uh, with a boss who who was. Um, I just didn't care for me. Um, I don't know if saw me as a threat or whatever, but um, he was, he, he just created an environment that was very uh, hard for me to work in. And, and I only lasted there a month, Brett, and I quit. And I, you know, so here I was this kid who thought, you know, he was going to run this big company someday. And now I've been, you know, I'm fired from a job and quit a job within 60 days. And, um, yeah, I was really, I really didn't know what to do with myself. And 
fortunately, fortunately, um, a, a guy named Butch Weiss, who I had worked with a little bit at the company that I got fired from, but he, he, he called me and said, Hey, um, you know, I don't know what you plan to do. Um, but if you ever want to start a company, I would, I would love to be a part of that with you. And it was really weird because, um, I did, I worked with Bush for about a year. He was, you know, really took care of the trucks and worked in maintenance. And I was, you know, the, the person running the, the division. And, um, so I knew him, but I didn't know him. And I, it just came completely out of the blue that he would do that. And I thought to myself, well, maybe there is something, you know, maybe there is something that I have if this guy who I barely know, um, you know, comes to me with this idea. Um, and so we met around his kitchen table at his house and talked about, you know, what starting a business might be like and, um, you know, drank a few beers to make the idea seem a little bit better. And, um, you know, six months later, we had, we had a, we had a waste trucking business started in November of 1992. And that's kind of how my entrepreneurial, um, career or journey began. And it was kind of, what was funny about it was, Butch was a farmer all his life. He would have stayed a farmer all his life if his, uh, you know, if his family farm hadn't, hadn't gone out of business. And, um, you know, when I was four years old, as I described, watching these trucks across the street, I think, I feel like there was an entrepreneurial seed planted in me on that curb that just had been dormant and, you know, just there, but not having any fertilizer or anything, no attention paid to it by me. And this farmer that I hardly know came, comes along and whatever he had was what it took to, you know, germinate that seed and, and get it to, to start growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was curious about that because, you know, you were you know, moving your way up a corporate ladder and, you know, then you have some negative experiences, you know, working for others. Yeah. And so I was kind of curious about, you know, the what sounds like kind of the surprise, you know, step into being an entrepreneur, um, you know, was that another one of those examples of you just saying yes and, you know, not knowing if, if in fact you were an entrepreneur or if you would be a good entrepreneur. I mean, obviously you turn out to be both. Um, but, you know, did you kind of just take a leap of faith? I did. And I, th- I thought um, my, my other options weren't very good at the time. Like I didn't have any other options. And um, of course, the, the downside for me from where I was, you know, like they say, it's hard to fall off the floor. Well, you know, the downside to me was not that great. So I figured, yeah. I mean, if this guy has the confidence in me, I should be paying attention to that. I think that's what really was going through my head. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, did I know that I was going to be good or even know what to do? No, and I didn't know what to do, and I wasn't good. <laughs> well, you, you go on to have a long career in as an entrepreneur, and um, you know, in the waste management business. Talk a little bit about kind of you know how it goes for you. You're in business, you know. You're you're an entrepreneur. Uh, did you start having success right away? Ups and downs, challenges. Talk a little bit about that that career. Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> well, yeah, we had both. <laughs> we had, we had, um, we had success, and we had um, many challenges. Um, I write about a lot of that in my book, which is called Ownership: uh, How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck. But I, you know, the the by most accounts, I think people would look at our business and say it was a it was a success because financially it was a success. And um, and outwardly, it appeared to be successful, and it was successful. For me, it it you know it, I I sort of ran the gamut with this business where, um, for the first you know few years, maybe the first five years, I, I you know it was it was just about doing everything that we needed to do to survive, and me personally. Um, just doing everything that I thought I needed to do to not just to survive, but to prove myself, prove what I could do, uh, prove what we could do. And that gave me a ton of energy, Brett, and I just really liked it and I didn't mind any of it. And then after a while, as the business grew and, and um, you know, we added people and we, we just, it was, it was, you know, I was getting to be a decent sized business. And I was, what, what, what happened to me was I didn't keep learning. You know, I, I, I had no playbook other than the one that I had when I started just work and grind and do all of these things. And, and, and at some point, um, near the 10 year mark or so, the, the things that had given me energy all along were now just pissing me off. They, they were just, I didn't like them, um, but I didn't know what to do about them. And and about that time, uh, Butch, who had you know started with me and 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 given me this confidence and was always my biggest supporter as well, and always just was fantastic. He was burned very badly in a fire at one of our uh, plants, and. Um, and they, and a couple of days later he died. And it was um it was that that you know that was sort of the end of the world for me. Um and I and it that that <clears throat> dropped me into this place I call the valley of uncertainty, Brett. And I so like it's a place where I think entrepreneurs, you know, that are broken go to to um you know, I would like to say generous, gener generously reflect, but really you go there to feel sorry for yourself and you go there to blame other people and you go there to to look at yourself and say, why do I want to keep doing this? And, you know, all these negative things. And I, I dropped down there and I was I was in that valley for, for a few years before I could figure out, one, whether I wanted to keep doing this and two, if I did want to keep doing this, what, what do I have to do? To have a future that's different than this, because I don't want to keep doing this to just be here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really an important thing to uh, talk about and highlight. And I'm, and, and I'm glad you know you're sharing. I'm sure there'll be a lot of value for others um, that are also in that entrepreneur journey, and maybe just in the journey of life that you know you can drop into these 
states. But yeah, let's, you know, kind of keep it focused on the entrepreneurial part because sure. um, I think that's pretty real. And for me, um, I've had my own kind of ups and downs with my business um, from a, from the standpoint of my energy. I mean, we've been fortunate and, and you know, been in great markets and had a lot of success um, on the surface, but there's times where you kind of get to the point where you're like, gee, I don't know if I still want to be doing this, you know, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, you know, there's, um, I actually um, was reading uh, David uh, Hawking's Letting Go, and he talks about kind of, you know, when you get to a certain point, and the kind of higher up you get, the more you might run into ego and greed and kind of all the, you know, yucky stuff that um, isn't uh, quite as, you know, glamorous as, as maybe we, you know, fantasize it to be. And so, you know, this kind of getting to a point where you're not in love with the work anymore, um, you know, is, is, I think, common and pretty tough to be with. And so maybe you could talk a little bit more about, you know, that valley. And, um, you know, and, and, I, and I actually really appreciate the fact that you said it was years because, you know, it can be it could be forever if you let it, you know, but right. um, these aren't necessarily quick shifts. You know, they can be some some deep valleys that you have to kind of climb out of. Um, maybe you can just talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. I, um, so there's a couple things here. One, the, the time in the Valley for me, while it seemed like a waste, again, you know, re- re- reflecting back on it, it was actually a big gift. I mean, it's certainly the reason I got there wasn't a gift, you know, um, losing my best friend and my partner, um, was no gift. Um, but it made me realize a lot of things. One, one of the things that made me realize is that I had spent all these years, you know, trying to run the business the same way that I had when I started bread. And that had, um, you know, like I said, I mentioned it, it given me a lot of confidence for a while. And now it was just pissing me off. And I realized that I had built these walls around myself and around my business that I was, you know, I, that, that were keeping me from reaching out and learning. You know, I'd stopped learning. I had learned everything I could from the people inside of my walls. And, uh, but I wasn't reaching out. You know, they, I had built them so high and built them so strong that I couldn't like penetrate them to get out and, and go do it. So that was one thing. Um, I realized that, that I had been mistakenly, um, you know, personally assigning like, like I was approaching everything that was happening as if I was personally responsible as opposed to having the responsibility for. And there's a big difference between those two. Being personally responsible for something makes it part of you. Like um, it's, it's, it's defines you. Having the responsibility for something makes you uh, responsible for it. Not, not it, but, but, but it's not you. It's not who you are. And I made that mistake for a, a long time. Um, the other thing that I did realize <clears throat> finally was that um, this place where I was, this, this valley of uncertainty that, that I had dropped into, was really the byproduct of the system that I had created that worked exactly how it was supposed to. I mean, 
I created a system in my business that led to everything that at first gave me energy and then later gave me, um, you know, took all my energy away and made me angry. I created that. I did that and it worked perfectly. I just didn't realize that it was going to work the way that it did. But the, the, the upside to that was once I became, once I was willing to accept that, it was very cathartic because I knew then that if I created a system that worked perfectly to get me here and I didn't like being here, I could surely create a system to get me somewhere else, maybe a place that I did want to be. Um, so those were some of the things that that I realized when I was in this valley um, stage of my of my career. Um, yeah, what a great learning. I mean, and a great shift in perspective. I could see how that could really pull you out, you know, if you can actually really get that, like, in fact, you created this, which, um, you know, good news, bad news, right? Like the good news yeah. is that you can, you can create something else. And if you can really believe that and get into action, then it's true. I mean, you, you can and and you did. So talk a little bit about kind of that. So um, then what did you create to get yourself out of the valley and into something that you really... And, and not not just what did you create, but how did you make that transition, I think, is important too. Yeah, I think the... The biggest realization that I had that got that lit a fire under me was that um, I had been the way I had been operating, which was really um, hierarchical, but not in an egotistical way. I don't think, but it was hierarchical. Like I had designed something that always led to me, and I realized that um, do, doing that was really an excuse for me not to do the job that I was supposed to be doing. So an entrepreneur's job, in my opinion, is to always be creating a future for your, the company, yourself, and for everyone that's on your team that's bigger than what the present is, bigger than what the past was. And, uh, you know, something to shoot toward. And instead of doing that, I was just completely immersed in being the hero of this hierarchical structure. And that, you know, could feel very good. And people complied with that. They did what, but what we asked, but what I asked, but um, it was just, it was just really a way for me to avoid doing the hard work of creating, thinking about and creating that future, you know, how do we keep moving forward and where are we actually going? Where do we want to go? So that having that realization led me out, led me to break out of the walls that I was in, that I had built, start investigating other people and other ways that could help me. And it sounds silly because that seems so logical. Like anybody, everybody knows they should be doing that, but Boy, my personal experience and my experience with a lot of entrepreneurs is that it may seem obvious, but they're just not just not doing it uh, or doing it well. And I went to a breakfast meeting, and there was a um, which I never did, but I went, and um, 
there was a guy there who owned, the speaker was a guy who owned a, a really high-end restaurant in town and, and still does. And um, so his name is Johnny. And Johnny was talking about his you know, career, kind of like what you were doing, you know, going, taking me through my childhood, how'd you get in the restaurant business, all that stuff. And, and, and then, he, and then he got like really quiet and he, and he sort of like had this real low voice and he started talking to us about how he got to a point that felt like where I was, where he didn't know what he was doing anymore. He didn't know whether he wanted to keep doing this. And he heard about a program called the strategic coach uh, from a friend of his. And he said, you know, the guy, you know, promised me that if I got into this program and I worked at it, I would, I would learn how to become a better entrepreneur. I would learn how to, how to, you know, how to build a better company. I would learn how to take care of myself so that I could take care of the business. I, I you know, it, it, when he did that, it felt like I was the only person in the room that like he was just talking to me. I call him a messenger. He was, he was like a messenger that came to me. And, 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 and so I signed up for that program right away that afternoon. Um, and, and that was my first step. Strategic coach was my first step in really getting an education in what being a good entrepreneur is about. And I would say that um, I'm not in the program any longer, um, but I would say that that program was the catalyst for me to start figuring out how to make my life and my future, my property, something that I owned as opposed to something that was just going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we were um, connected in, in, uh, now that I'm, now I'm thinking about it um, by uh, Justin. Oh, Justin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have that that strategic coach in uh, common and certainly it was, you know, incredibly impactful for me too. And, kind of in a similar way where somebody just said, you know, hey, um, I think maybe you could benefit from this. And I said, yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of learning. I mean, for me, when I went to coach, one of the biggest things I learned, because I actually was there for um, one thing and got something entirely different. I was there for um, a time management system. I mm-hmm. found myself... Uh, you know, struggling to keep up with meetings and email. Um, and that's all I was looking for was like, I don't know how to manage my email and like my calendar. And somebody said, Oh, I heard this coach thing has this time management system, yeah. which of course they do. Um, and, 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 but mostly what I learned was about, um, you know, me and how I wanted to uh, organize my life and, and my work. And um, how I could, you know, find the um, love and joy in in that work. And, you know, I've also been the beneficiary of, um, you know, good coaching outside of coach too and and mentors and and, uh, advisors and therapists. And so, you know, all of that's kind of been impactful in helping me, you know, create my life. But coach was a big part of course, for sure. No question. So talk a little bit about then, you know, what happens for you and and maybe, you know, the the work that you're doing now. I want to make sure, you know, before we run out of time that we really start to, you know, get to your current work. Yeah, sure. So I, um, I mean, just to, just to finish up that story, I, I, um, 
you know, as a result of break, you know, being able to to, to get out of the valley, I, 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 you know, I was able to just, I was able to change myself, change my structure, change the structure of the company, bring more autonomy, bring more great people, have a future that I actually knew, you know, what I wanted to accomplish, what I wanted it to be like, and then break through that and then grab another one and then break through that and grab another one. And, you know, I said 10 or 11 years when Butch passed away and then sold the business about 11 years after that for, you know, we, the business had done fantastic from that time, you know, from, so from the time I was able to, you know, break out of the Valley and I'm not saying that it was just because of me breaking out of the Valley, but it was, um, it was very impactful and, um, and just really made a huge, huge difference. So I sold that business in 2015, and then, and then a couple of years later, after the non-compete ran out, I had an opportunity to to um, partner with with a private equity partner, and we we built another similar business. And we did that um, much faster, um, you know, sort of leveraging everything that that I had learned and 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 people and opportunities that I knew about, and um, we were able to put that together and. And um, about three years after that, in 2021, we were able to sell that business, and it was, you know, a really, really nice financial outcome for the investors. Um, in that, in 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 along the way, I started um, my own podcast, which is called How Did It Happen, and um, wrote my book, um, which I mentioned, Ownership is the name of the book, and uh, developed a, a coaching business. Um, called Ownership Coaching, where I coach um, you know entrepreneurs that are in the ten million to two hundred fifty million dollar revenue uh, area on how to imagine the futures they want and make it make it happen. Uh, I do a lot of investing in in startup and early stage companies as well as as other you know more mature companies because I really think my mission is to help entrepreneurs. Um, value in the world and I, I I want to help a thousand entrepreneurs create businesses that are worth 20 million dollars or more and then encourage those thousand to help 10 others each do the same thing and I feel like you know if I can come anywhere close to that Brett um, that's got to be by a long shot will be the most impactful thing that I could ever accomplish in my professional life. Yeah, let me ask you something. I'm curious about kind of the shift to coaching, investing, podcasting, writing. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of similarities there. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of the same things um, with my own kind of nuanced, um, you know, approach to how I want to be impactful to other people and to the, to the world. But, you know, we share we share a desire to make a difference um, and doing it, you know, in part, at least for me through others, um, as opposed to um, solely in the context of my own business. So I, I'm curious, you know, you, you are an entrepreneur and you have had several entrepreneurial um, efforts that have um, been very successful and you're now, um, in the you know kind of coaching personal platform you know investing yeah. space, 
And, I, and I'm curious, as you land here, do you see this as your, your next entrepreneurial effort and therefore um, kind of the evolution of, of you and your work and something that you see yourself doing for a very long time, maybe you know, for the rest of your career? Or do you still have an itch to hop back in, be owner-operator um, again? Or do you think that you might have that itch at some point in the future, if you can speculate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say yes and yes on both of those. Um, yes, on the on the on the on the coaching side, um, that developed out of the book. So I got I, I had it wasn't an intentional thing for me, but um, people read the book and reached out to me and asked me if I would help them. What was the intention um, of the book when you decided to write the book? I was just I was just intending to. You know, help out, help encourage entrepreneurs to continue to think big. Mm-hmm. You know, to when, especially when you get into that break stage, when you're in that valley, think big, break through. And here's how you know. Basically, here's some of the things that 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 helped me do it, and maybe those will work for you. So I wasn't trying to sell anything. I wasn't trying to, you know, push any. Coach. I wasn't trying to do anything. I just wanted to share the story and encourage entrepreneurs through my stories to, um, uh, you know, continue to think big. Um, so it came out of that. It was unexpected, unintentional. But, but, it, but you know, it, it, once I started to get the inquiries, I thought to myself, well, maybe, maybe this is something that is actually, uh, I could, I could prov- you know, provide a lot of value. And it supports this other thing that I'm doing where I want to create you know, a lot of entrepreneurs who have significant businesses, right? So the people I'm working with already have significant businesses, but they're going to sell those businesses at some point. What are they going to do with that? Uh, you know, can they be part of the, of the, um, the community or the movement or, or whatever? So I think that um, uh, could become a big um, you know, platform as well. And then I will never, I don't think I'll ever be the traditional owner operator Again, but I will definitely be um, continue to explore entrepreneurial opportunities, particularly ones where I can help uh, partner with, um, uh, lead it, but partner with other people, other other budding entrepreneurs who um, can can do the operating part of it while I help them with the um, uh, you know the strategy and the financing and all the other things that go into it. So it's a dual track for me along with the um with the investing mm-hmm. yep i get it and um uh for me it's it's not exactly a, a clear path but um it it's evolving and um i i really like the idea uh we'll see if the results are there or not but i i like the sure. idea of you know investing and advising and trying to add value and contributing and you know really benefiting from the contribution, um, seeing someone else win and getting to be a part of that win, both financially and kind of spiritually, you know, feels like something that you could do endlessly. You know, it's, it's not the same sort of, for better or worse, you know, I've, I've also had friends who've tried this and said, you know, well, you know, the entrepreneur only really calls when they, when they think of it, you know, you got to stay in front of them and, 
and you know that's work and you know they don't always really want to hear what you have to say because they're entrepreneurs and they want to do it their way and so you know some of my friends have kind of jumped back in and said nah you know I just want to do it and uh, I'm going to do it my way and do it um, differently this time and so you know we'll see kind of how it you know unfolds um, for me but I I like the idea a lot and uh, mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of uh, fun to hear somebody else um, taking a, a similar path and uh, you know may, maybe we'll uh, trade some deal flow or you know kind of uh, collaborate yeah. in a way where you know our our communities are you know um, support each other. Yeah, we can evolve together on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Well, Mike, this is great. It's a it's a great uh, story for me to hear, and just kind of as I go through my own journey, and that was actually the um, the start of the podcast for me was just you know the joy of picking brains on life and having good deep conversation, which I always learn from and then hoping to share that with others. So we'll make sure that people know how to find you, um, owner, ownership, uh, coaching and your book and, um, and, uh, any other materials that you want to share, but I'll give you a chance to, um, share any final thoughts. Well, it's been an honor to be here and I do appreciate you, um, walking me through my story and asking great questions and, If anyone wants to connect with me, the easiest thing that you can do is just go to my website. It's my name, which is Mike Malatesta, M-A-L-A-T-E-S-T-A.com. You can find out all about my podcast, my book, my coaching, and me there, and you can connect with me there as well. Great. All right, Mike. Thank you. I really uh, appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak. 